about the shape I'm in. Laugh about the shape I'm in. Don't do me no good. It don't do me no good. It done did me no good. Fool me with the sleight of hand. Fool me with the sleight of hand. It don't do me no good. It don't do me no. Listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth, and Happy Halloween. Seth is putting on his wig on the Zoom here, and it's uh, he's get he's say trick or treat, trick or treat. Smell my feet. You better give me something good to eat, Rob. And you're getting some a great interview meal here because it's one of Seth's favorite acts, Bahamas, which essentially Bahamas is Afi Jervinen. Is that not correct? That that is correct. That is correct, and I, I was very glad to do the interview. Uh, very excited to share it with you all, and to share his music. Such good music. Bahamas is so good. It's music that we need right now. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But first, as always, we like to remind you that we're part of Osiris Media. That's and, right, uh, Osiris Media. You can find them at Osiris O S I R I S P O D dot com. There's a guitarist by the name of Alex Skolnick. He was just recently on Past, Present, Future Live. And um, I also heard him on a, a roundtable about Eddie Van Halen with Andre Chalmondele hosted, um, Andre of Project Object, uh, who, who's worked with everybody from Adrian Blue to, uh, I'm blanking, but he's worked with, he's worked with Steve Howe. He, he's just a, just a great guy, real close friend of my friend Brad Sinas. And um, one thing that Alex said, you know, we're always looking for hope in these moments of sadness. When Jimi Hendrix passed away, uh-huh. a, lot, a lot of people picked up the guitar. Like Alex said, throughout his life, he's met so many people that picked up the guitar in, in response to the outpouring of love for Jimi Hendrix when he passed. And he's wondering if maybe the Eddie Van Halen thing, which even though I was a huge Van Halen fan early on, had the first three, four records, um, yeah. I, kind of, I kind of faded away on them. But I, I, I respected the significance of Eddie Van Halen. I didn't realize how widespread it was. I really didn't. Well, after we interviewed Jake, which uh, I just let the cat out of the bag on that one, but um, I, last night, Rob, I uh, was puffing a little bit and I uh, went into a YouTube web or whatever you want to call it, a hole, if you will. Any rate, rabbit, I, hole. I, rabbit hole. Yeah. So I pulled up some Eddie Van Halen, uh, some concert footage from, uh, and I just, I never, I never saw him live, but man, like, first of all, amazing, but so much different than just the albums because he would come out like part of the show would be him just coming at him, just playing guitar on his own. And it's just like 10 minutes of just guitar madness. It's a, right. And right. then he bring the band in and it's got like, all of a sudden it was like just arena rock in your face. And yeah. You know, and like Seth pretty, said, pretty we, uh, we, we spoke with Jake Sinegar and we'll talk more about Eddie Van Halen during that. And um, Alex Skolnick also is coming to Osiris with his own show. 
Oh, really? He's a, he's a really esteemed guitarist. He was in Testament. He's, he's known in thrash metal, and he's also done some improvisational stuff uh, more recently. I mean, he's a so, really, really... So what you're trying to say is going to be even that much harder to find us on Osiris now. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Oh, stop. Every, there's room for everybody. The internet is, is endless, Seth. It's not like... That's one of the beautiful things about podcasts. We don't have to all fight over one market listeners. You know, we have the whole world out there. But anyway, this show is going to be called Moods and Modes. Moods? Ooh. And modes. By the way, I want to get you to, to say, uh, I want to get that cat noise out of you again, Seth. Meow. I was hanging with Michael Weintraub last night, who's been doing some wonderful uh, video work with musicians uh, in his instrument head studios in Nashville. Mm -hmm. I also saw this. Uh, I think it's coming out tomorrow night. I saw Mimi and from Fruition and uh, Lindsay Liu. Lindsay Liu. Show, and the bass player from Billy Strings and a really good banjo player. Uh, and that was a band put together by Michael Weintraub. So keep an eye out for that instrument head, folks. Uh, and, Michael Weintraub, and also, great also great Peacock uh, is uh, one of the bands that uh, recorded live there and releasing uh, in a couple of weeks. And if you haven't checked out their new album, Forever oh, Worse Better. So good. So good. Great Peacock, Forever Worse Better. My favorite song in the album is the last song, which ironically is also my favorite song it was the last track on bahamas which is also we'll get there uh, but learning to say goodbye i just i can't get enough of it so i challenge you listeners go listen to great peacock forever worse better this is their 2020 release just came out and i encourage you to listen to learning to say goodbye so this af german and that's coming up our, our listeners should know that um you know we're, his music was very very big to seth uh during some changes in his life um, correct, Seth? Yeah, that's very correct, Rob. Thank you for sharing my personal business with everyone. Oh, I, that's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> oh, thanks for touching my tip. Whoa, happy Halloween. Happy halloween -y. And this guy, they're a really, really big act. He was very generous to give us his time and um, to really give us thoughtful answers. Um, he, seems like a, he seems like a guy I could hang out with, quite frankly, Seth. He's got such an amazing outlook on life. Uh, and you can tell he's a really, really family-oriented person and just a really good human. And again, like th that was one of those interviews where it, it, we did not, you know, sure, we talked a little bit about the weather, but I mean, we got deep in a lot of different places. And that's it's the kind of interview I really enjoy doing is when you can really get to know someone and, 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 and dig into it. And you, you asked some great questions in this uh, interview, Rob, so that was enjoyable. Stay on till the end too, folks. He starts talking about some of the great musicians that have reached out to him and acknowledge his music. It's pretty impressive stuff. And also his voice reminds me of someone and I'm going to wait. Don't say it now. Wait until the outro. His voice is exactly like another celebrity who's, who's been extremely significant in my life for the past 20 years. Also, I have four pieces of vinyl. I want to show you Seth um, and talk about that. Uh, I have a new needle. Bring it over. Yeah, I want to come over and uh, not tomorrow. I'll give you a tomorrow. little section right over here in the, in the apartment. You can put no, no, all no, no, your no. vinyls. I'll put little blue stickers on them. They might as well no, get no, listened I don't, I don't to want, here. I don't want stickers on my vinyl. Thank you very much. Anyways, let's turn. Let, uh, people want to hear. Hey, come on. Let's go to AC German. Let's go to AC story of the hour one man's privilege and his power how it turns sweet
sweet love oh so sour still i need to know salmon fishing that I like to do is sort of uh, um, entirely dependent on, on how much rain we get. So we'll get, it's pretty localized here, the weather, the, I don't know how much you guys want to talk about weather, but uh, you know, sometimes they'll call for big rain and the rain will just be in this like one little pocket. And if it happens to be in that area where the rivers, rivers are and the water level comes up, it sort of allows the salmon to come up into the rivers, you know? So um, that's what guys like me are hoping for. Um, and I had some good luck this weekend. I was up in Cape Breton, which is which is kind of like the Highlands. It's like the Scotland, basically. It looks oh, cool. very similar. Yeah, it's really rugged and beautiful. I've been there. And, uh, it's beautiful. Be a, yeah, it's a yeah. big circular drive around the island, right? Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I was sort of sort of on the north side of it, and um, and uh, yeah, we had some. You know, I caught I caught two fish. I was pretty happy with that, and uh, had a lovely weekend. All right, but you got to answer me something though. When I think of salmon fishing, I think of like you go upstream and you got a net okay <laughs> no this is all fly fishing in fact in nova scotia you can't keep any salmon it's all catch and release really um, yeah um i mean yeah. atlantic salmon is pretty uh you know they've been overfished oh yeah um for a long time so there's there's um a conservation group here as there is in iceland and you know all over the world right uh people trying to restore the salmon stocks and um and also there's a lot of like bass and, and chain pickerel and all these in invasive uh, species that sort of um, really get in there and mess things up for the salmon. So uh, yeah, there's, you know, there's, there is a, a big attempt to try and um, make their habitat stronger and bring those populations back up for, for all to enjoy, but they are, they are, I don't know how much you guys know about it, but they're a pretty majestic creature. It's uh, I sort of think of it like they're the Eagle of the water. It would be like holding yeah. an Eagle for, for just a moment. So just to see one is a, is a, is a big thrill and, and a big uh, opportunity, big privilege. Um, but to actually, you know, get to hold one and, and uh, be close to it is, uh, I don't know, there's something, there's something pretty crazy about that, you know, but we put them all back. <laughs> one thing on Cape Breton, the one time I was there, the musical gift I discovered was someone called the Rankin family. Have you ever heard yeah, of them? Of course. Yeah. Of you course. have. I mean, yeah, of course. They're, uh, they're, you know, institution out here, um, you know, had a big, lot of success in, in the nineties and the early two thousands and stuff. And, um, and in fact, their legacy lives on in bands like always. And, and, um, and, uh, yeah, they're just, uh, that, that sort of Kaylee, that idea of a kitchen party, 
um, that really is a real thing. You know, it's not just uh, it's not just uh, something that they sell you in tourism commercials. Um, and in fact, I was staying with some people up in Cape Breton and they were, you know, I pulled the guitar out of the truck and we sat in their kitchen and drank a little bit of scotch and played guitar, passed it around a little bit. And it was so much fun. And uh, obviously it was the only performing I have done for the last six months. So it was sort of a double thrill for me. Well, it's interesting you mention that because before the album previous to Sad Hunk, before Earth Tones, um, you would express some reticence about the whole stopping touring to make the next record. And that maybe you felt like you were getting on sort of, what do you call it? What are the gerbils on? The, tr- yeah, the treadmill. Yeah. And uh, now you've been had this forced stoppage, uh, which I guess you had never even considered just stopping. Um, mm-hmm. Where are you at now? with all that thinking and, and, and have you considered webcast performance at all? Um, well, I think, uh, you know, the truth is I, I do miss performing. I miss traveling. Uh, you know, I have really good band and crew and just we have, have so much fun, you know, so much laughs. Um, but I'm not bored. I, I seem to have a lot to do. And, um, and that's a sort of another, you know, lucky position to be in. I, I, seem to have stuff to do every day. So I'm grateful for that. But, um, you know, I, I'm producing a series of these live performances with amazing musicians all over the world, and they'll, they'll start to roll out over the next little while. Hmm. But, um, this isn't the taco tunes. No, 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 no. That's oh. all goofy stuff. That's just for millennials. But um, <laughs> no, we're, we're producing something that I'm trying to make something that has a high production value, high fidelity, you know, really good quality yeah. musicians and trying to make something that um, has a little bit more of a lasting impact beyond just something that you just watch, you know, for two minutes on your phone and then scroll to the next thing. I just, I I did tune into a couple of these lives, you know, performances online. Some of them were my favorite artists. And I found that I was often engaged for like a couple of minutes. And then I would find myself opening up another tab and I would be on Amazon and I'd be like ordering some, salmon flies or something, you know, and I thought, this is, how can I do this? How can I, how can I take someone like Neil Young and I'm only engaged for two minutes? And, and so I have to assume that there's something really important that's being lost in the technology. Um, and of course there are exceptions and there's definitely performers out there who seem to be able to transcend that. But um, I just kind of figure like, why take something that I'm really good at and make a shittier version of it? That's kind of the short answer. Um, I do, I do want to play and, I, and I'm always looking for ways to connect with, with uh, audience and connect with people who are interested in my music. But, um, you know, I just want to sort of do it in the highest quality I can. So, so that takes a little bit longer than uh, some would like, I suppose. Well, yeah. Seth, we should, we should send him some examples of what Trey Anastasio has been doing at the Beacon Theater. Yeah. He sets up uh, with, the, with the room behind him. There's some right. artists did the same thing at Red Rocks and he's lighting the room. And he's playing with string quartets and doing all different formations. That seems, seems like something you definitely could do. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, there's, we do have some really cool stuff that's just sort of um, will we'll start to come out over the next little while. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and, and, you know, truthfully, the technology, as much as I sort of like tend to run from the technology, it's sort of, it, it is the thing that sort of allowed me to do that. Um, it's pretty yeah. incredible to be in a studio here and then there's musicians in Los Angeles or, or in Australia or something. And we're literally playing together. I mean, it's, 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 it blows my mind. I mean, I'm in awe of the fact that we can even do something like that. So, um, 
it's cool to be able to do that. I'm looking forward to putting those out. Without latency, you're saying that you can actually do that? That, that, that with, and, um, or is it, or is it more like you're laying down a track and then they're coming in and you're kind of com- working together in time? Uh, we tend to be like, they're, they're playing, I'm playing to what they're doing. You know, they're, they can't really, they don't really hear what I'm playing. Um, they're playing the song and then I'm playing to them. And, um, but it's, there's really like a second delay, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, uh, it's, it's pretty shocking how, how real time it is, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, certainly get, it's getting manageable. Close. It's getting pretty damn close, you know? So, I mean, I think, uh, I'm I'm psyched with what we got, and I'm psyched to put it out. And I should probably just stop talking about it. Uh, no, keep talking. Um, I mean, I, mean that, I just I can imagine like the harmonies though, because that's like a big piece of getting those harmonies just so like dialed in with your guitar, um, mm-hmm. and then to have that. Uh, I mean, you you get the pick of the litter. Then you you know you can get all your backup singers or yeah side yeah. singers there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's, it's fun. You know, like I said, I just it's it, we've been doing a bunch of these things with different musicians. I just thought like. Well, normally I would go on tour. So why, if I thought about it like a tour, who's in Los Angeles that I would want to play with? And we would just, oh, yeah. you know, create these little bands of people and I would do a session there and a session in Nashville and, and, and you know, just, just sort of trying to get together really great players. Um, and, and we've had such a great response. I mean, almost everybody has just said yes right away because I think like me, everyone's kind of hungry to play and, and looking to, uh, you know, just connect as cheesy as that sounds. I mean, there's something about playing music together that uh, people really miss it and, and need it in many cases. Yeah. You know? but, but, but with your music in particular, it's, it's, it is that campfire vibe. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you get these harmonies and you uh, with the guitar and the vocals that, that are just, you know, timeless. And if I mm. may say, they're not just singing along with the chorus. Sometimes they're singing along yeah. with the chorus. Sometimes they're counterpoint to the guitar part. Now, you've worked with Robbie Lockritz on this record, and you've worked with him uh, previously. Mm. And in, in between, you self-produce. Is that correct? Jeez, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, well, Robbie's my manager and my producer, and he's been oh, yeah, intimately involved in every piece of music that I've made since before it was called Bahamas. Um, you know, he was the guy who early on sort of encouraged me to to record my own songs and facilitated that. You know, he had all the equipment and everything. And, and um, so, yeah, he's been he's been intimately involved in all my music. And um, and uh, I think there was one record where I did sort of the recording elsewhere and then he did the mixing and, you know, sort of helped me finish it, get it over the finish line kind of thing. But, um, yeah, he's he's a really talented guy, he sort of seems to know a lot about a lot of different subjects and be quite good at a variety of different things, except for fishing. He's a terrible fisherman. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, in terms of, uh, you know, producing music, he seems to kind of be pretty on point and um, I'm lucky to have him in my corner. But that can be a tricky thing to understand as a longtime music fan who's never really been a musician, you know, the, the, um, the whole producer artist relationship. And I wonder in your case, the backing vocals are so vital Mm-hmm. To, to what extent are the backing vocals in your head as you're writing the song and to what extent is that more of a thing where you get you get into the studio and you're like okay now we're making the versions that are going to be out there for a while what are we going to do with the vocals um well i think uh it's a little bit of both and and i would say it's it's um i don't treat the vocals any differently than i do any of the other instruments i certainly have ideas of how, what i want to do going in and then just like anything else in life, 
you can go ahead and make plans till the cows come home. But then when, when you're actually there, it's game day and, and you got to produce, then suddenly something else happens, right? You're, you're, you, what you're hearing back is saying, wait a second, everything that I thought I was going to do is not what I'm going to do. And now I have to go in this direction. And, um, and that's the fun of it. That's the challenge of it. And, um, and I think most musicians, most, most people who are interested in making records will agree. I mean, that's in some ways you kind of hope for that, you know, because it's, um, it's just sort of when you're in the studio and, and that moment comes when it feels like the take, it's like a drug, you know, it's, it's, um, it sort of becomes apparent to everyone in the room at the same time. And, you start to realize that you're, you're, you're conscious of the fact that, wow, this is the definitive take. And you start to try and push that out of your mind because you don't want to, you don't want to think about that. You literally want to be in the moment. You want to be just reacting to the other things that you're hearing, just like a conversation. You don't want it to be scripted. And, um, and that's the most challenging thing to do. And it's the most fun thing to do. And, and, um, you know, the vocals, I, I, uh, I do, I do so much singing on my own records. You know, I, there's so many layers of AFI when it comes down to it. Um, but I try and sort of blend it in with whatever else is going on. So it doesn't, doesn't feel like that necessarily. And, and I mean, I'm fortunate also to have to work with uh, Felicity Williams and other great singers on, on other records of mine. Um, so it's nice to sort of feature them on certain tracks and, and, and give them a lot of room to just uh, do their thing as they say. And it works in a raw setting too. I would direct our listeners to a South by Southwest video where it's just yeah. you backstage with a, a mystery man on maracas and these two, <laughs> women, these two women just singing amazingly well. And you get a little sense of your picking ability too. Mm -hmm. uh, people should definitely check that out. And I'd love to see something like that on your podcast here, your, your forthcoming podcast webcast series too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, point. that was a lot of fun. It's so funny that, uh, that thing, which in the moment I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't take it seriously. I didn't realize um, just because the setup was sort of strange and we had, you know, South by Southwest, you're just running around all these different uh, things and you're busy all day. And, and some of them sort of have a, a, an air of legitimacy uh, more than others, you know, yeah. but this one was so strange. They just had a TV set up with literally a live Twitter feed. And, um, and I just thought it was so goofy. I thought it was so strange. I mean, now that's totally normal. But totally back, normal, right? That's that, that's that was, the thing. That was uh, that was probably ten years ago. It was a, a you know there was sort of a novelty to it that I, I didn't really get at the time, and so I feel bad because I was kind of maybe cracking too many jokes. But no, no, uh, that, that's it, what it, uh, that's what makes it good. It works. Well, that's the that's the thing. It's like it, I didn't realize that it was going to start to ha have this life, uh, you know, well beyond um, a live stream. It actually, you know, people are still discovering that. And we play our, we play my songs and we do some cover songs and, oh, yeah. you know, cracking jokes and it, and it's um, turned out to be a really fun thing. But isn't that kind of like the way you prefer to, to perform? I mean, I, you've mentioned in other interviews that as much, you know, you love playing with a, a big band, but there's a lot that goes with a big band of schlepping everyone sure. everywhere and all that. But the rawness of just you and, the, you know, and yeah, two or that. three other people. Yeah, I love, I do love that. I try to sort of keep that, the, you know, that ethos and the integrity of that, even when I do play with a bigger band. Um, Cause as I said earlier, to me, it's more interesting if it's like a conversation, if it's a musical conversation that you can react in real time. You know, if, if, if all my answers are going to be scripted, then it doesn't matter what you, what questions you guys ask, you know what I mean? 
that th those to me are, are rarely um, as interesting. Um, the ones where it, it, it goes almost off the rails and in some cases does go off the rails. Those are, that's, you know, something that I find more interesting. And, um, and I think most audience members kind of welcome that in some ways, you know, um, cause it gives you an opportunity to see artists, um, when they're not necessarily in control. And, uh, <clears throat> again, as a performer, I kind of just like try and cultivate that to some degree at, at the shows, you know, it's not, it's not, I'm not trying to be weird for weird sake. I'm not trying to, you know, Bob Dylan style, like play my most famous song in such an obscure way that no one's even going to recognize what it is. But at the same time, I'm not trying to recreate the same thing night after night after night after night. It's, it's, it is, uh, you know, it's much more engaging. It's much more fun if, if um, you sort of just allow it to be whatever it is. And the way to do that is to just be open, to not uh, have any sort of rules about this is the way it has to be. So yeah, it's fun to play solo. It's fun to play with one other person. It's fun to play with a five piece band. It's fun to play with an orchestra. And, I, and I've often thought about how fortunate I am to be able to do that because I have friends who play in rock bands or, or let's say even metal band. <laughs> There's only so many avenues to play that type of music, right? You're not going to get invited to play a folk festival. You're not going to get invited to, you know, do some live stream with an acoustic guitar where you're just sort of cracking jokes. And, and um, so I, di I didn't realize that when I started performing, but definitely over the last decade or so, I realized that the music that I make and, and just having an attitude of being open to anything has, has allowed me to play so many different types of gigs and so many different types of venues. Um, and for me, that's just been great. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's how I like it. Oh, yeah. Now we got, we got to talk about sad hunk. Now these songs were written before the pandemic, correct? Yeah. The album was recorded before the pandemic. I mean, I, I uh, made this album last December. I, I basically, I finished the earth tones tour and it was a lot of touring and, and, um, and beyond that, I just been sort of, I felt like I had been touring for, for a long time um, without ever really having a true break. I never had a period where I didn't have something on the calendar saying, okay, I'm going to play this show. What, even if it was four, six months or eight months down the road. Sure. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to do my last show in September and I'm not going to book anything. I'm just going to, actually come off the road and my family and I had just moved to Nova Scotia here. So I was sort of thinking that I would spend time here and be here to make breakfast every day. And so we finished the last show and after two weeks I was miserable. I was just so grumpy. It was no fun to be around. And, um, you know, and I realized that, man, when it comes down to it, as simple as it sounds, I just enjoy it. I enjoy the work. Um, and it's not just performing, but I enjoy, I enjoy sort of having um, deadlines that, uh, that sort of force me to produce things, you know? So I called my manager, I called Robbie, and I said, uh, book the musicians for December. I have about four songs now. Book the studio and, and book the musicians and, um, and I'll be ready to go. You know, I'll have, something, I'll have something ready to go by December. And just trusted that, uh, that pressure would make diamonds as they say and uh yeah that that seems to work well for me you know just having people that are relying on me to show up with stuff that's worthy of being recorded you know so um so yeah i made the, i made the record in december and then <clears throat> was kind of thinking great this is awesome i got one in the can i can kind of take the winter off and 
and relax and we'll put out this record in the springtime. And then of course, uh, you know, my life uh, got upended as did everyone else's. So uh, we had to push it back, but uh, now it's out there and it seems to be finding a home. Do you think at the time, do you think at the time of your first record or bar chords around that time, would you have had that confidence to only have four songs and be like, I'll have a record by December, by in two months, let's book the time now. Or is that something Um, that's come more recently? Uh, no, it's kind of, it's, it's, that's been there for quite a while. I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's less to do with being confident, um, or sort of overconfident. It's more just sort of trusting in the process. Um, I, I like, I like, as I said, I like having deadlines. I like having, uh, those things on the calendar that sort of just are, are a not so gentle reminder that you got to get it together and uh and and bring your best you know and especially when you start you know getting commitments from other musicians and other people that okay cool i'm going to take time out of my schedule out of my life yeah and come to be with you and work on your thing it's like that to me i always think like okay well that's <laughs> that's a good reason to to get it together and, and show up with material that's uh worthy worthy of being recorded it's kind of like one of those lessons you learn as a parent uh you know like freedom is great but gosh Kids, kids need boundaries and they don't even realize it. And, they, and when you set those boundaries, they live better. So in a lot of ways, it's the same thing as structuring that things like that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, I think we all kind of benefit from that to a large degree. You know, I, I definitely for my wife and I, who's, she's also an artist and, and uh, in a way, like I, I love the school, the kids are in school. It's nice because their, you know, their schedule kind of defines our schedule. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I drop them off and then I can, I know, okay, well I have five hours. I got to do the grocery shopping. I got to do this, this, and this, and then maybe I'll have time to work on a tune or something. I actually like that rather than just having the whole day open-ended. It's sort of, you know, it focuses mm-hmm. you, forces you to be a little bit more, um, you know, productive with the time that you do have more efficient. And um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's sort of a, I, I mean, on the other hand, I try not to think about it too much. I'm, I'm trying to sort of, speak about it and put it into words for the sake of this podcast to make sure. it interesting. But at the same time, you know, it's, uh, there's certain things where you just sort of, um, they're, they're just happening in your subconscious or they're just part of your habits, part of your routines and, you, and you're not even aware of them. But, but most, but you foreshadowed so much of what we're living through right now. So I want to pause for one second and can you just give me six lottery numbers, please? <laughs> six lottery numbers yeah yeah just six numbers i mean you i mean you you got okay you got the quarantine down ahead of time so you know right i figured you're no, on no. to something no i think i'll hang on to those lottery numbers for myself i mean you guys know how much spotify pays <laughs> uh we can we talk about the guitars first of all you're a wonderful guitarist yourself as we know um yes, but- thank you you could have chosen to play all the guitar parts on all your records, but um, mm-hmm. you have wonderful, this Christine, it's, it's Boogie, right? Bougie. Bougie. Bougie who yeah. has a, a hammy secret life as her debut solo record. People should check that out. And it's interesting yeah. because when she was studying jazz at Humber College, she got seduced by country music, which seems like maybe that's a big part of why she'd be interesting to you. I mean, you know, she seems to be someone who uh, is, is free of genre free of reference of any kind. Her guitar playing is, it's its own thing. She's not referencing Jimmy Page or, or Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan. She's not trying to sound like anyone else. And uh, that's definitely the reason why I like playing with her. And, and 
that's kind of the reason why I like playing with any musicians. You know, I try to find drummers, try to find all musicians kind of have that quality. And again, it's not, it's not about being unique in a weird way. It's just about being flexible. If sure. you say, well, I only play country music. Well, that limits the amount of gigs that you're going to play. Right. Um, whereas, you know, she, I mean, for Christine, she's, she's, uh, she's, when she's not playing with me, she is playing jazz gigs and she's doing country gigs and she's doing soundtracks and she's doing orchestral things and she's recording her own instrumental albums and lap steel albums. And, um, you know, she's a really sort of a dynamic musician and, and, um, and as a guitar player, just an inspiration, you know? So, um, I've played with her now for several years and, um, it's just sort of gotten to the point where the more that I focus on songwriting, the more time that I spend working on ideas for songs, the less time I spend practicing guitar, like actually getting better at guitar. And, and I don't, you know, begrudge it at all. It's just sort of the reality. It's like, that's become how I make a living is by writing songs, not being a guitar player. And I enjoy playing guitar and it's part of it. But for Christine, that's like, that's, she's always getting better. She's just getting better and better and better and better and better all the time. So she sort of has this dexterity and, and um, access to execute a lot of the things that I might just hint at in my playing. Mm. And she seems to have this ability to just literally pick up where I leave off and take it to that place. Was fortunate to work with her. And then this other guy, Sam Weber, who played a lot of guitar on this record, um, he's sort of, of someone who's sort of new in my musical world, but um, just fit in right away and, and, you know, spoke the same musical language as everyone else in the room. And same thing as guitar playing is just uh, on a whole other plane. You know, he's, he's, um, he's a Canadian, but he lives in LA and he's sort of surrounded by, I would say some of the best musicians in the world. And um, kind of like being on a sports team or something like that. You all, you want to be the weakest player because it forces you to you oh, know, yeah. elevate your game. And uh, so I like surrounding myself with guitar players that are, that are, let's just call it as it is better than I am. <laughs> and and it, 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 I feel like it elevates me and, and, and it sort of serves the songs, you know, I would, I would never want to like the song to be worse just so I could play guitar on it. Um, you know, my, my ego can be satisfied in other ways. Yeah, but to see that, just to, to write a song and know its potential and then to have the team to be able to execute that potential, that's, 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 that's more rewarding than just being able to do it, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, for the first few, few tunes, I was playing guitar, but then it kind of got to the point where I would just show everyone the song and I would literally leave the studio. I would go upstairs into the uh, control room <laughs> and we have a little mic there on the couch and I would just sit on the couch and I would sing, sing with them but just literally leave the band to figure it out. Um, it's much more fun for me as a, as a listener to not tell them what to do. Um, yeah. And usually I find if there's, a, if there's a sort of musical problem, it becomes apparent to everybody at the same time and you don't even have to talk about it. Right, so, right. Um, I mean, and that was, that was your last album, right? I mean, that was, that was the whole point of uh, the- um, Yeah. Uh, D'Angelo's band, being able just to walk in yeah. there and be like, go, you guys take it. You're, yeah. I, I hired you because I know you know, you, you hire someone to do something, work in your house. You don't micromanage them. Like, what are you going to do? Like, they, they know Absolutely. what to do. Absolutely. And, and I think most musicians probably thrive in that environment, you know? Um, again, like when you're hearing your playing come back in the headphones, it's the most unflattering mirror. It's not a, you know, it's not a, 
it's, it's so hard. You're, you're, you're hearing the raw truth, right? So yeah. But is that like like stuff. how people hear their voices though? Like no one likes their voice when they hear it, right? Is exactly. it similar? Exactly. Exactly. So you have to assume that the guitar player, what they're hearing back, is the sound of it. It's just like the sound of when you hear your voice, right? When you look in the mirror and you're like, "That's what I look like." Oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> it's uh, that's what I mean. So if you allow people to find their comfort space in that context, then the whole recording sort of is better for it, you know, rather than telling people what to do, telling people how to be comfortable. It's nice. It's nice to sort of allow them to find their own space sonically. And um, geez, that sounded cheesy, but, but <laughs> it's the truth, you know, it's, it's, it's better. It's better to sort of allow people to make mistakes and then find their, their place in the context of the band um, than it is to uh, tell people what to do. The, the recordings that I made in the past, when I had like a super duper clear idea of how I wanted to do it, I just play all the instruments myself. You know, I, I just play the drums, play the bass, do everything, rather than t get a great guitar player and then just say, hey, can you play this? It's like, I'll just play it myself. Trent Reznor style. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I've done that. And, and uh, you know, I did that a lot on the Bahamas' AP record. And I'm happy with how the record turned out, but in terms of, uh, well, thank you. But but in terms of making records, it's so much more fun to do with other people, right? It's it's just, um, yeah, literally just that that process, that collaborative process, that feeling, as I said earlier, of just feeling like you're you're in the middle of the definitive take. You know, it's the take. It's like a drug that um, there's there's no high that uh, is as good, you know. So you're, I think, me and every other musician is forever seeking that feeling. Well, let's dive into a, a song or two about uh, with Inside Hunk, Rob. Sure. Before we do, Sam Weber, Everything's Comes True is his record that came out last fall. And yeah. uh, Afi particularly has been singing the praises of the song Ex Lover. So check that out, listeners. Yeah, Seth yeah. and I last night uh, were really digging into three of the songs. Uh, the first being Less Than Love, which has a great video with your, with your daughters there. And um, yeah. It can be kind of interesting what they're doing and what you're singing about in the song, but. Um, <laughs> oh, you're talking about the, uh, the CD, the, the, the album. Uh, um, this, yeah, the, not the fit. I don't know what we call it the official video, but what, what was that? The vid you have a video that's like uh, you just at your home with your yeah. family. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, when we started working on promo stuff for this album cycle, um, you know, obviously I can't go anywhere. I can't play for anyone. So we said, okay, well, we're going to, I have a film crew that I work with here in town and uh, we work every two or three days a week. And I said, okay, well, we'll, let's just come to my house. We'll use my house as the set and we can film different performances. And uh, originally I didn't intend to have my kids in those videos, but you know, the reality is that as soon as we start <laughs> filming and they see the camera or everything, they're just running into the shot, constantly <laughs> interrupting to the point where pretty quickly I just was like, all right, well, if I'm in the middle of it and they run into it, like just keep rolling. Like, but that's, it, that's so hard though. Like that's, I saw that. I mean, I'm, I have a seven year old son and I mean, if he, if he was here right now and interrupt and came, it, it sets me so off. Like, yeah. and, and, and to watch like her, like pulling your ear and you executing the song without like, and just embracing, like embracing it and making sure it just like, that's got to take a lot of, uh, a, work, a lot of work to be able to do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But then, I, you know, I said, like I said, it's like, you just kind of want to find a way to be comfortable 
um, in whatever environment you're working. I, again, like have no rules, have, you know, just like I, that's what I, that's what I was telling the, the camera people. Just if they run into the shot, just keep going. I'll keep going and just do it on the fly. Drop your plan. Whatever you thought you were going to go over there and get some great angle of me. It's like, if that doesn't work, then be ready to go to that side, be ready to go up, go down. Um, I think that's uh, more interesting, you know? So yeah, as I said, I didn't, I didn't plan it for it to be that way, but, but um, I think we kind of got something in a lot mm -hmm. of ways that's more interesting. Kind of like that video that we were talking about earlier uh, uh, when I was oh, singing Carly and Felicity. Yeah. I mean, I didn't plan to do that, but we ended up with something that was much more interesting where I was just mm -hmm. reacting to people writing things, you know, they said, Oh, they wrote Alan Jackson. Well, guess what? I, I like Alan Jackson. I just busted <laughs> into an Alan Jackson song. And everyone was like, what? He knows Alan Jackson. You know, so. That's a metaphor on life though, for real. Like, yeah. you, you got you to go towards a direction, but the end result is, the end goal isn't actually getting there. That, that's just the path to get there. Sure. Left, right, other paths are going to come, but you're not going to get to those paths unless you go towards one. Well, sure, have a destination. But if, uh, if as you're on the way, if you see something interesting, if you're in some beautiful place, stop, pull over, look around. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you, you don't want to, you don't want to just get to where you're going as quickly as possible. You do want to enjoy the ride. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So, so this, you know, I think I said earlier, I, I do miss playing and, and performing and stuff, but, but it's been fun. It's been challenging to sort of develop some new skills and, uh, especially with the social media stuff and, and the videos, which I'll, you know, I'll admit I didn't care about at all, put no effort into up until six months ago. So it's been sort of challenging and rewarding to, to uh, take that on and try and produce stuff that's interesting and, and um, you know, captivating and, and hopefully engaging to people. But speaking more interesting, I find your love songs and Less Than Love will be another one are, are a lot more interesting than normal love songs. So they're not just adoration and, oh, you're my baby. I mean, you get into the vulnerability. You, you, you get into um, how, how that <laughs> there's, the, there's work. Yeah, the line, of, uh, the line of like... Uh... You, if you, the alcohol, the alcohol line. Oh my God, what is yeah. that? Uh, I know <laughs> anyway. you think I drink too much. Yeah. That one. Everything that's left unsaid, all the books I bought and never read. Thank God she can't see into my head. She'd see I know nothing. I know you think I drink too much. Every bottle's just a broken crutch. If I'm dreaming now of your sweet touch, then I'm only dreaming. I don't want to wear no muzzle. I don't want to cause no trouble. I don't want to have to struggle with the truth. I don't want to cause no stress.
if it changes. Well, for sure. I mean, that song's, you know, probably I one of the ones I'm most proudest and happy with how it turned out, you know. It's sort of uh you don't really have to wonder what it is I'm singing about. It's it's pretty right there on the page or you know, on the record. And um yeah, I think the truth is like the warts and all, again, like similar to having the kids run into the shot or something like that. The songs that sort of encompass encompass the warts and all, the 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 good, the bad and the ugly, those are the most interesting to me. It's hard to plan them that way. Sometimes they they do happen. Um as cliche as that sounds, sometimes they do just kind of come together that way. Um but that's just a more it's a more vivid picture. It's a it's a you know, it's closer to reality, right? It's like sure, you could you could follow someone's Instagram account and it's just like every meal is this perfect manicured five-star meal and every every everywhere they go is just epic sunsets and you know but they're you know you have to assume that they're not posting when they got a flat tire and they're stuck on the side <laughs> of the road and it's raining and they got in a fight with their wife and see that's when i post uh, no, I, yeah. I, I, I love it so it's like you're divorced it's like yeah i didn't know that well yeah. i'm gonna post it on facebook like no i'm not gonna i know but i i kind of <laughs> think that there's 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 probably a whole a lot of room for that type of let's call it content. Um, you know, certainly music, I think, you know, I like that stuff. It sounds like you guys do too, but you, you know, you, you don't, you want sugar and you want, uh, Oh yeah. Salt like, and sweet. Yeah. yeah. You the, want, you want both things. Right. I mean, I've said uh, that before, but I really do feel that way. It's like, if you just have too much of one thing, then it's like, how much is that doggy in the window? It's like, yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of like, it, it only sort of goes so deep, you know? So yeah. you want to, if you really want to get in there and uh, I think craft, craft things that sort of will stand the test of time yeah. that you can sing 20, 30, 40 years down the road, you got to have, um, you got to have the whole spectrum to dig into. Yeah. Sounds like you got to be vulnerable and you have to embrace mental health, which is being open and, and, and real uh, to, mm -hmm. to not just the positive, but the, the depression and the sadness. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've sung about that on my previous records. Uh, I've always kind of, you know, tried to be um, open to that, tried to be fearless in terms of saying, well, there's no, there's, there's nothing that I won't sing about. Of course there is. <laughs> but I, I have to tell myself that anything is an, anything is a, is an option um, simply for the fact that I just want to be, be open to uh, exploring all these things and, and obviously, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of sort of revelations that come through the process, you know, just through writing these things down and singing them and then, you know, turning them into records and then having other people listen to them and interpret them and, and quote them back to me. It's a terrifying process. Fought to get you 
your love ever since I met you. Half your love is twice as much as I'm ever gonna need. People say that less is more. Baby, less is what I'm fighting for. Honey, you could end this war with half your love. to think that they're you know gonna live on beyond my life's life but i do hope that um i can sing lost in the light and i can sing half your love 10 20 30 years from now and still connect with them and um and then eventually your wife will approve it yeah yeah there you go <laughs> yeah have you gotten feedback from your wife about love songs yeah of course about her of course <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes it's harsh jokes you know but um because <laughs> she's an artist too yeah for so sure. higher bar maybe uh yeah higher bar but also just like you know when you're singing about stuff that's so personal um you're always kind of navigating that line about uh what's a you know how much of, of a situation can you reveal right because it's it's not necessarily a fair uh telling of the story you know when it's just me telling sort of my interpretation of something you know so so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to get better at in, including people in my life in on that process um, so that it doesn't necessarily feel like a big surprise or something when something's, something's out in the world and, God forbid, it become a big success. Do you know if you find your way into her art? Um, I, you know, I, I like to think I do. I mean, she's, uh, she's a visual artist and does a lot of ceramic work, so... Um, it's a totally different thing, you know, it's a, it's a process that's much more inside. Um, whereas, you know, I've sort of, there's actually a part of my thing that's performing and literally like telling people, <laughs> telling people what to do and what to think and, and, uh, just through the music, you know, so it's, it's a, it's uh, a different process completely. Now you mentioned, oh, uh, go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say when someone is as direct of a songwriter as you are, Oftentimes the listeners will assume that all the songs are biographical. Yeah. And I know some of you are, I know at least some of them are, are, are all of them or do you sometimes no, write through the voice? No, not some, I mean, you know, the majority of them are, and they're dipping in and out of, of, of uh, my experience for sure. But like a song, like up with the Jones off this new record. Well, that one, you know, that one's more about someone that I know and, and I just find that it's easier to often sing in the first person than it is like, it's uh -huh. easier for me to say, I, I, you know, me or I, this, 
than it is to say you, you know, you did this or you did that. It's it, there's something sort of menacing about doing it that way. Um, so in some ways I can kind of take on that position and try and see the world through that lens. And again, that sounds so cheesy to say that, but it's it, it, just as a, in terms of, of trying to work through a song and get a song out, it just sounds better to me to, to sing it from the first person often too, you know? Um, it's like the voice is the character in the one act play that is the song. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, again, it's like you try and just do whatever serves the song. And, and often, I, you know, when I'm looking back on the work, it's, it seems like that's sort of a, something that I can do from time to time. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, by and large, you know, they're pretty, pretty autobiographical. Well, Wisdom of the World is the one that really knocked us over. Oh, cool. And, we're, and in the middle, you have the little transition part. Mm-hmm. Is that... The guitar part? Is there some... Re- yeah, 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 yeah. The song takes it's it, you know you build it up and you and you talk about you you bring you you bring together like the whole song right here yeah. and then it just goes into into puts, space if you will right. and then you come out of it yeah puts me in a mind a revelation has taken place sure. yeah exactly and then and then it closes and you come back and the song ends in a different perspective than where it began right absolutely, right. absolutely. I mean I um I recorded that song with Pino and James for the Earth Tones record. And uh, something about it, you know, with no, no fault of, to those guys, no disrespect to them at all, but just the recording, um, it just wasn't, uh, like that song I find is difficult because you, you need a certain amount of delicacy to, to, to handle some of that subject matter. And then at the same time, you need this big release of energy in that uh, middle section and uh, it just didn't come together on that first session. And that's not the first time. I mean, that's happened lots of times for me throughout the years. I've had to record mm-hmm. things three, four times before I get it right. But uh, it was actually, Rob, we'd finished tracking all the songs that I had meant to track. And, and Robbie sort of said, you know, what about that song that we recorded? I mean, that's such a good song. We should give that a shot. Um, and so I, you know, credit him with sort of pushing me towards doing that again. But um, I mean, in this case, the band was just so tuned in like really to the lyrics, you know, the lyrics are so important for me on that one. Um, my brother's a recovering addict and, um, you know, uh, it's just a huge thing in my family life. And, and so I often, I don't even have songs in a minor key. Like most of my songs are in a major key. So that, that one is, is, uh, is almost like stands out just for the simple fact of, of sonically it's, it's the, you know, the, in a minor key and so the melody is is um totally different um but then as you say it sort of resolves on this uh this i would say a mess uh, a feeling of optimism you know it's sort of just this realization that it really is all about forgiveness true forgiveness just really letting go and how much power you get back in that process um you know it's it's exhausting to hang on to a grudge and uh Mm. and so when you actually really do let go you 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 right away you get filled with this energy you filled with power filled with confidence and um you know that song is definitely sort of an attempt at addressing some of that stuff i would jokingly call that end part like i think of it like layla you know there's like that (laughs) big piano outro at the end of layla Uh, and um, 
so when we were working on the track you know of course it is kind of strange like just the the bands ripping and ripping and ripping and then i had this idea for it to sort of come back down and and resolve on this this other thing and uh so i was jokingly referring it to as the layla part and and the band all thought that was funny but i think i think they did a great job at kind of executing it and and um and it went off for so long i wish i wish we we should have just left it jam out there at the end but uh well so that's that's my question though like when you if you play that when you play this live do is this something that we could expect that could go could could get stretched out that midsection of course of course of course of course course. so you'll be back at bonnaroo i guess (laughs) yeah oh my gosh i mean like there's so many songs like that you know like the um even the first song trick to happy the guitar solo was a lot longer um you know the guys upstairs at corporate they uh they're really into clipping <laughs> things off and uh i like working with people i don't i don't like uh you know being a pain in the pain in the butt so sometimes you get suggestions and and you follow someone's lead but you know we'll see if this album does well then maybe you'll hear the director's cut the producer's cut um somewhere down the road but there's uh you leave a lot on the cutting room floor as they say mm-hmm I had a very close friend who struggled with addiction. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the thing about that is that uh, when you start really getting to the nitty gritty about it, you're looking at yourself too. Yeah. And why, why am I reacting? Why am I angry when this person is struggling, mm-hmm. even though it's very frustrating and they seem to be not listening to anything you say mm-hmm. and they even get hostile with you. Oh, yeah. Is that some of, is that some of the things that you've been going through? Oh, for sure. I think, I think, um, I think the the bigger realization is that um, this it doesn't it's, it's not just sort of it. Sorry, let me let me try that again. It's you think that you're all alone in it, right? You think, oh, it's just about me and my experience or my family, you know. And you then you when you actually step out of that and you free yourself from it, you realize nobody is protected from this stuff. This affects, you know the most high powered lawyers and it affects construction workers and it affects athletes and it affects musicians. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what your profession is. If you're born into wealth or born into poverty, it's like this, this is something that, um, you know, it's sort of just like, it doesn't discriminate. It, it, it comes pretty viciously after everybody. And, um, <clears throat> And in some ways, like that's comforting to know that, you know, it's comforting to know that you're not, you're not actually not alone. You're not some failure. You're not some fuck up that like, oh, it's, it's me, you know, um, it's sort of about finding a way to connect with people through that, you know, and, and, you know, when you're in the deep in the throes of addiction, the amount of denial and the amount of lying and the amount of, uh, you know, just running from even the simplest truths is, is, uh, it's scary. And, you know, hopefully you can look back at it and sort of laugh about it. Oh, shit. My wife's like hey, doing some hammering upstairs or something. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> but what, sorry, go ahead. But one of the key things is That's to not take it personally, right? To, re- yeah, to for keep sure. in mind but, this you know, person. It's almost impossible to do that. It's, it's very, very hard to do that. You know, it's so, yeah. um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just people, you know, like it's just, I definitely, struggle I, I struggle with that, that stuff myself you know i definitely go through phases where i realize that my i'm drinking too much it's getting it's creeping right, up well, out of control and you realize right well what is that am i am i just like i don't know whatever it's 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 i call i call that the invisible line though and yeah. it's such a weird thing because 
Because when you, especially with like when when the um, quarantine hit and all that, right? Yeah. It's like I was back at a bottle of wine a night. Yeah. It's like my tolerance just was gone, and I'm like looking. I'm like, why am I wasting this money and all that? But the point is, there's. A, I still had it under control and I slowed it down and yeah, you know, but I, because I saw the line and, and I found a couple of years ago that I got it. There's this visible line and you got to maintain it. Mm-hmm. But I have friends that I see that, that have lost that line. And just, it's like, you know, you got two kids, what are you getting sloppy drunk and yeah. crawling out of my house? Like, yeah, you lose that line and it's, and it's, and that's a balance and that's a hard thing. You know, you got to hold yeah. that invisible line. Yeah. Well, definitely um, the, yeah, once, there, once there's kids on, involved in it, then it becomes pretty, you know, pretty raw, pretty crucial um, and immediate. Uh, I think the, the, when there's kids involved, it's, it's, uh, it's really challenging, you know? So, so anyway, I, I think it's just, um, again, like trying to write about my life in some sort of open way in order to sort of welcome people in, and to, an attempt to sort of connect with people and, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, it's sort of like you realize that it's just like that, as we said earlier, it's sort of those bits are the more interesting bits to me. Um, I would hope that uh, if, if you guys, if we were ever hanging out and you guys were over here for dinner, I would hope that we, we would have a conversation beyond, you know, the weather and the fishing and, and hope to have a conversation that's meaningful and, and you can actually feel comfortable enough to talk about uh, stuff that you struggle with, stuff that you don't understand, stuff that you're not necessarily confident about. Um, so I definitely try and do that in my music and, and uh, try and do that in my everyday life. And, you know, sometimes you fail and, and uh, you just got to sort of keep going, you know? Have you ever written something that you were happy with, except you thought it was too revealing and you're like, well, let's just maybe put that aside yeah. and revisit. In yeah, the I have. I have. And in fact, I've, I've written things and been told that they're too revealing, you know, um, and, and sort of, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to kind of deal with sometimes, but, um, you know, I think, I feel like I'm getting better at it and, and the, you know, songwriting is just a process, you know, it's like, it's just, the more you do at it, the more you do it, the more skills you develop and the more, um, agility you have to kind of access these things and to communicate these things in real time and um yeah i mean i just enjoy it i just like i just like writing songs it's fun it's fun to come up with ideas when did you, you know? when did you first write your what maybe not your first song but when do you remember starting to write um i i started writing pretty young like i remember like getting interested in the guitar and i didn't really know how to make chords like i couldn't figure out i really wanted to play nirvana songs but even those were too complicated for my level of guitar playing at the time. I couldn't figure out just by ear. I was learning those songs and eventually I learned them, but it was easier to make up my own songs because I could, you know, if I couldn't play a certain chord, I could just play one string and kind of sing a melody off that. And Mm. so, yeah, I remember I had like my early song was called Jolly Green Giant. And it was like about this kid who died of cancer, like when I was in the sixth grade and, and, um, you know, it's so, I don't want to make light of it, but it's just funny to think that even back then I was like wanting to write about like these heavy subjects, you know? Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, yeah that's pretty so, heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't remember the song being terribly complex melodically or, or, you know, the arrangement, but the lyrics were just so earnest, you know, so on the nose. And uh, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of just doing a, a more refined version of the same thing, you know, 
uh, 30 years yeah. later or whatever. But, but yeah, it's, um, again, I, I, I think I just early on kind of discovered that I like that process. I like the idea of making yeah. things that weren't there. And then, um, then I went through a period where I like wanted to do it professionally and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't really get any traction. Um, I had people around me that were really talented and, and I was sort of on the periphery of all these wonderful things that were happening, but my own songs, you know, at some point I became aware that my own songs just weren't there in terms of the quality. I wasn't able to, you know, the songs just weren't being sort of like, um, executed well enough. And so that's a harsh one to swallow. You know, it's a harsh, it's like, it's a, it's a hard pill to kind of take when you realize that um, you want something, but your skills aren't necessarily there and you have to go back down to the minors and, uh, and train <laughs> some more. Right. But, uh, but dude, that's good. You must've learned touring with Feist must've helped. Absolutely. Seeing well, how she did it. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's literally what happened. I had a band of my own and we made recordings and we were like a band that would open for other bands, but we never really got any opportunities to go beyond that. And I, for a long time, I didn't understand why. And then I realized, yeah, then I realized <laughs> that, um, well, wait a second, like I can play guitar. Like why limit myself to just playing my own songs and playing in my own band? Like if I just say that I'm a musician and I'm willing to play with whoever, then I'll surely have more opportunities to play. And it really wasn't any more complicated than that. As soon as I did that, like the next wow. day, I got a gig with this guy, Howie Beck, and I played shows with him. And then I met Jason Collette and toured all around the world with him. And then we opened for Feist. And then by the end of the tour, I was playing in her band. And then I played with her for several years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That was like a, a deep, deep learning period, a woodshed period for me. Um, I got to be part of things that were being done at a really high level, but obviously I didn't have any of the pressure of it being my project. I was just a musician in that. And um, I benefited immensely from that experience. And, and, um, <clears throat> and in many ways, you know, after the Feist gig, a lot of the reason why I did make my own music, because I just thought to myself, man, I'm not going to get a better gig than that. I mean, that was, uh, to my mind, that was like the best gig you could get as a sort of side a hired gun musician. And, uh, and that was a, you know, a big motivating factor for me to just get my own songs in order and, and get a new album out there. I got my first album, Pink Strat. It probably also taught you a lot about how you work with your current musicians that are musicians from other projects, et cetera, that come in because you did that. Yeah. So you, you have a different, different approach. Yeah. Um, letting go though, seems to be a common theme in, in your life. I'm curious, like when you were traveling as songs. a kid, well, yeah. Uh, when you're traveling as a kid to Finland and back, uh, and you know, and your 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 family situation and stuff. Mm -hmm. Did you learn to let go then, or is that something you learned later on in life? Um, I think I'm still learning it to some degree. I think you're. We're all kind of hopefully still learning to do it. In in, in um, well, it's learning and practicing. I think there's two different yeah. things. Well, that's true. That's true. I I agree completely. You know, um, I. I I mean, just the way I wouldn't oversell the way I grew up, but I grew up pretty lean. Um, and I know lots of people have it way worse than I did, you know, but I grew up pretty lean and, and, um, <clears throat> and just, you know, being a kid of a single parent and stuff, like all the stuff that I lacked, 
wasn't really aware. I wasn't really aware of it until later in life. I, I, in reality, my youth was just like so much freedom because my mom was working all the time. She was just not around, you right. know? So my experience was just like total freedom. I did whatever. And I got up to a lot of shit. I got up to a lot of trouble. And, and, you know, I'm in many ways, I'm lucky that I found music. Uh, and it, you know, because it, it could have gone off the rails for me. And, it, and, you know, for my brother, it did. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, um, I think letting go is important. Realizing that, uh, that it, uh, it's, it's all pretty fleeting, you know? Uh, but definitely musically, like it's, it's, <clears throat> you can't hang on to these things because they, it's just so, it's all so temporary. You know, I, I, um, when I had that uh, gig with Feist, I, I, I thought I was on top of the world. I thought it's never going to get better than this, but then the tour ended <laughs> and I lost my job, <laughs> you know, and you can sit and wallow in your pity or you can pity yourself or whatever you can think oh my gosh like what happened you know the, the whoever the next guy that's going to be in the band is not as good as i am or all that stuff or you can say you know what that was amazing thank you for that amazing experience it really like was a life-changing experience for me and it was um in in so many ways so um you know it's it, i think gratitude is maybe an overused word in in today's uh landscape but it's true. You know, I think we all could benefit from exercising that for what we have. I mean, at my house, it looks like you guys have the same thing. It's like when I turn, when I flip the switch, the lights come on. And when I go to the sink and I, and I turn the tap, the water comes out. And I, you know, now that I have my kids and stuff, I'm, I'm always trying to remind them just to have some reverence and have some awe for the world that we live in Um, for, you know, for the rocks and the trees, but also just like, what we're capable of doing with just our bare hands, you know, and our minds. It's just incredible. I just, everywhere I go these days, I'm looking around, I uh, will be sitting there at traffic light. I'm like, see girls, look at this road. Somebody made this road. This didn't exist before. You know, somebody, somebody designed it and said it's going to go this way and they put the asphalt down and they put the traffic lights up, (laughs) you know, and that's just all around us. And um, so I'm getting pretty far away from your question, but, no, nah, you're good. You're good. You're going to gratitude uh, is, it, is a big thing for, for sure. It's a podcast. You go on as long as you want. Yeah. I just want to point out to my listeners in case they're confused. He had a lean childhood, but was in Finland regularly. A big part of him doing that was to save his mother money because right. he, he had family there yeah. and the plane flight was actually less than like summer camp would be. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So that, and I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like, I didn't realize that until later. In the moment, I just thought, oh, my gosh, I get to go to Finland. But, yeah, the reality was, uh, you know, my mom could buy me that plane ticket. And then she didn't have to pay. You know, I, she has 12 brothers and sisters. So I would just bounce around. That's so bad. It's crazy. All, their, all her siblings. And they're all, they, all, they all have kids. And um, so, in a way, it was the cheapest way to deal with, like, having one less kid <laughs> for two months, right? Right. Because my brother and sister right. are twins. And so... Um, so, you know, I, and they're younger, right? They're younger. Yeah. So I benefited uh, just from just the pecking order, you know, being the oldest kind of benefited me in that regard. And, and, um, and yeah, again, like I just have so many fond memories of, of the uh, way I grew up just uh, being in the woods and fishing and hunting and stuff, you know? 
And you, you and you said that you uh, you know you didn't realize until later. But isn't it kind of funny being a parent and like realizing things and then trying to tell your kids like, hey, you know, look at this and see this and and this and and they're just look at you like, what the fuck are you talking I know. about? It's you know, impossible. Like just, it's it's I, impossible. <laughs> the only way you can. But we do but it we is, do that to yeah. kind of give them that that that, that the, those boundaries or that structure that maybe that one day they'll they'll be like, oh, and it will help them get there quicker. Yeah, you know? I think um, you know, I think the. The only way is to lead by example, right? If you if you lead an interesting life, if you do interesting things, your kids will just be part of it through osmosis. They're going to learn all about that stuff. You won't even have to tell them. Um, if yeah. you're a kind, generous person, at some point, they're going to realize, oh, my dad's a kind, generous person. Or they're going to realize, my dad's a fucking asshole, you know? <laughs> like, it's a thing. It's like all the most important stuff, I don't, I don't know that it, it needs to be taught. You know, we don't, we don't teach kids how to walk. They just learn how to do it on their own. And then we think that we need to teach them how to do everything else. And, uh, no, but we, we, we don't teach them to walk, but we do, uh, we do help them get back up. You know, no, no, for, we, for, for you sure. Know. For sure. But I, 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 I sort it's of have to trust again. in, in uh, the sort of process of evolution that's got us to this point. And um, yeah, just being kind and, and, thoughtful and generous is probably a, a good you know that's a good base level to be my mom certainly was all those things even if she wasn't able to sort of provide some of the other things um but uh you know i i that's the thing that matters at the end of the day all the material things obviously doesn't it doesn't matter at all my memory of my youth i had i had a wonderful childhood and you know my mom was able to provide that for me so that's the thing that stays with me. You know, it's not, it, it's not yeah. the, you know, my friends had uh, Air Jordans and I had Reeboks. It doesn't matter. We were all playing basketball, you know? So it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that sort of, that sort of stuff becomes um, more apparent as you get older, you know? In the spirit of kindness and generosity, mm -hmm. would you be kind enough to share a specific example of some of the trouble that you got into that you maybe were embarrassed about? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, for one thing, I didn't finish high school, which was, you know, for a brief while, I was pretty embarrassed about that. I felt ashamed about that. And and I think for any parent, there's probably some, even if it's not shame, there's going to be some concern, right? Because it's that transition period where you think you're an adult, but in reality, you're still a kid, right? And you think that you're making your own decisions and you might even have your own car and you might have your own apartment, you might have your own job, but you're still a kid. And uh, I certainly was in that phase for a while, you know, thinking that I knew what I was doing. But um, before that, I don't know, I did, I did um, my last job was I worked in this factory. Um, I worked there all through high school. And a lot of the characters that worked there were drug addicts. And, you know, it's sort of one of these jobs where it's like pretty dirty work. And um, a lot of these people are good people, but they are living pretty rough lives, you know. And when I was 16, 17, I, I didn't really understand that too much. And so I did kind of spend a lot of time with these people. And um, I remember after work one time, you know, we were going to go have some beers and maybe even eat some mushrooms. <laughs> and... And uh, one of these guys' roommates showed up and he had, a, he had a fucking big gun and I'd never seen a gun like that, let alone, you know, when you're drunk and high and, and 
I'd never been more scared in my life. He was waving this thing around and, uh, you know, I'd never seen someone smoke crack before. That was a pretty fucking eye-opening experience, but I, I got sober really quickly. <laughs> like yeah. in, in an instant, I said, okay, well, I like having fun, but I don't like any of this, you know, and just sort of realizing that like, there's something there that I, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't want to go that deep on it, you know? Um, and again, it's just, it's, it's weird now sort of being older and having other experiences with, with addiction, um, and drug use and, and to just realizing like, fuck, those are just people, you know, those are just people at the time. I thought like, I'm going to fucking die, <laughs> I'm gonna die right here, right now. But but, uh, you know, I hope that they're all still well and, and have found sort of something in their life that's, you know, out, outside of that. But I don't know. I mean, that's not much of a story, but it's just uh, <clears throat> I'm lucky that I found music. You know, I found so many wonderful people through music. Music has been has provided me with a, a profession and a hobby and a whole social um, experience, you know, meeting other musicians all around the world, playing music with so many different, different people. And, um, and in a lot of ways, it's sort of, uh, it's just become a, a, a lifestyle, you know, it's, it's just my whole life. I don't know. I don't know what else I would do. I, I mean, in some ways I've, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of success and if it ended tomorrow, I'd be happy to bag groceries. Um, <laughs> but somehow I don't think I will, you know, I just, I, like I said, I enjoy it. I enjoy the process and, um, and I'm always kind of trying to think of things to keep myself engaged and to keep sort of uh, pushing it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find, do you find your songwriting process has evolved? Cause it seems to me like you maybe earlier on would remove yourself from the world and do the writing all at once. Whereas now you're more likely to come up with a line yeah. when you're oh, in yeah. traffic or something. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about that in the past too, but it's, 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 um, it's getting much more efficient, much more, productive with the time I have you know I don't the reality is I don't have all these hours and hours and hours every day to just dawdle around and play guitar until an idea comes to me so you have to become um, more efficient and and more aware of if an idea is is worthy of of um, you know being put down on paper <clears throat> you have to be ready to stop what you're doing get it down and then get back to whatever it is you're doing and uh, a lot of the best songs I have are just like in the middle of something, you know, in the middle of making dinner, in the middle of traffic, in the middle of doing something with the kids. It's like, you just get an idea. And uh, yeah, so you've got to try and it... get those things down. You know, it's, it's, it's not very common anymore that I write songs with a guitar, like just sitting there writing, you know, I don't, I don't, don't do a whole lot of that anymore. But I yet again, not... yet again, you were the, you were the future teller. <laughs> because before you said before you called you have a song called all the time yeah and now all of a sudden what happens right yeah yeah all the time yeah well it can seems you like, it feels that I, I mean i'm sure it seems that way but you know my life is pretty busy i'm sure yours is too it seems like you know like i said earlier the kids, yeah, okay. yeah the, the life sort of moves pretty quickly in our house and uh and um and frankly it's kind of it's nice to not be the center of a universe you know when i go on tour it's like my thing and the whole thing's revolving around what i'm doing and everything yeah. it's nice yeah. to kind of get your ass handed to you a little bit and be uh 
in someone else's uh domain you know and and i'm outnumbered three to one in my house you know so it's it's <laughs> i'm just trying not to get punched in the nuts are there any unusual uh inspirations that for any of the sad honk songs that come to mind that you well wow i remember when this song the first uh, genesis for this song was um, where you were or whatever. uh i'm not sure i, I oh geez that's a tough one i think uh the not cool anymore song i was pretty psyched when that one sort of came together um because contrary to what the title says it's sort of like it's just about not caring, you know, not letting go of, of uh, wanting to impress anyone and really sort of just letting your gut out after Thanksgiving dinner kind of thing and realizing how much joy there is in, in, uh, in just being yourself. You know, I was, I was pretty happy with how that one came out. on the first record there's a song called sunshine blues that i think is like probably one of my best songs too or the song i'm you know proud of as a writer anyway um but it's it's a it's like that love you know tr always trying to write a better love song that is really challenging and rewarding to me and so so trying to in bring in some more of those um not just you know not just puppy dog love not just one side trying to bring in some of those uh, other elements is really important and I think they come together pretty well on that song, Half Your Love. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think because a lot of these songs were sort of written just here and there and everywhere, I'm not, I, I, I'm not sure that I could recall <laughs> any sort of uh, anecdotal stories about each individual song. But um, 
but they, to my mind, they do kind of fit together. You know, it's not a concept album by any means, but it, there certainly seems to be something from start to finish that that works as a whole. And I, and I hope that sort of translates to whoever's listening. Well, that happiness isn't something just is falls upon you. Happiness is something you have to work on, just like love. Oh my God! For no, no doubt. I mean, I literally sing about: is there some trick to being happy? And you know, no, <laughs> there's no trick. There's no shortcut. It's uh, if there's no trick. There's work. There's no trick. There's work. There's it takes work to be happy and humility. Yeah, but happiness is also just like so fleeting. Why? Why? Like why chase after that just allow happiness to happen to you when it comes uh, but develop skills right. so that you can live life when you're unhappy develop skills right. so that you can actually produce at a high level when conditions are not perfect you know yeah uh, well I, without I, sadness is there happiness you know it's the same thing right so yeah, right. I, yeah. one of the biggest lessons i've learned in, in, in is that you ha it's okay to it's okay to mourn you know it's okay to be upset it's okay to be sad it's okay to be down oh yeah but then pick yourself up and get out there but but you have to embrace it don't be mad at yourself for being sad or, no, or no. upset or any of that embrace it allow yourself the time to feel that and process it and for then sure. move on for sure and and the main the main thing for me which i just try and encourage everyone to to consider is just find something that you like to do find something that's challenging Find something that's hard and run towards it. You know, we spend so much of our life trying to be comfortable to avoid things that are challenging or uncomfortable, right? Even right now, I'm sitting on the floor. I have a, literally a couch behind me. I'm, I'm like <laughs> sitting on the floor. It's hard. My butt hurts. I've been talking to you guys for an hour. But it's like, there's something about that more and more that appeals to me. Just the, the idea that like, choose the thing that's difficult. And, and uh, we all know that there's so much reward in that, right? You don't, you don't want to go to the gym and work out, but you know that if you do, at the end of it, you get that sense of satisfaction. Mm. And I think there's things that I can do in my music that give me that feeling. There's things that I can do in life um, that, that certainly give you that feeling, you know? So, so um, yeah, it's sort of a crude analogy, but, but um, don't always look to be comfortable, I think is a good, is a good way to live, you know? And and that's the uh, name of your forthcoming album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm working on stuff. It's coming together. If I'm not touring, let's hope we can get one. You know, we can get one out quicker. Yeah. You are working on stuff. How many? How many uh, you got <laughs> right now? Oh, I got. I always got three or four, and then I'm in the tank that I'm working on. But uh, you know, this album just came out, so I don't want to sell it short. I want to. I want to give it a no, little no, time to have a it. life, on and allow it to find people. But. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope well, to get out and play there at some point. Play, playing these songs live would be pretty fun. Yeah, we're, well, we're almost done. Things, yeah, oh, one of the things I would say that is with this new album, I hope this new album has the same effect that all of your other albums have had, and not just on me, on other musicians and other people that I know. And that effect is when, and again, we talked about Spotify before, but let me tell you, when you do like, you get your random playlist from Spotify yeah. and you're just listening to stuff, your music's one of the, and this is, happens to several people. Your music comes on and it's like, who is that? And it's always right. the, who is that? And it's like, oh, who is that? And, then you, right. it, and it's like, you know, it goes in waves like yeah. that. So I find a lot of people that have discovered you just by like, just your music has that yeah. connective Well, you're not activity. wrong. I mean, uh, you know, the, as you guys know, like with Spotify, as with anything online now, the amount of data um, that we can sort of 
get off of all you consumers is shocking <laughs> and terrifying, right? You don't have to be Cambridge Analytica to, to get a, a disturbing amount of data from people. Um, so it is, it is true. I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm grateful for it, that it, that it's worked out that way, but for whatever reason, my music seems to perform really, really well on, on that platform. And I know that there's a big debate about the fairness of, of uh, streaming and, and, you know, we all think that the royalty rate should be higher, but at the end of the day, for me, it's been an incredible way to get my music out there and um, just make it accessible to people, plain and simple. I mean, you know, I think <clears throat> it's, it's crazy. I don't know, for some reason it seems to, you know, propagate <laughs> on the site. It starts to end up in the acoustic chill playlist and the yoga playlist and the girls getting ready to go out <laughs> on a Friday night playlist and, and, uh, and the guys coming home from the Friday night alone playlist. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> it seems, it seems to sort of just like take on a life of its own. And, and for me, yeah. that's been a very, very good thing. And, and I, and I hope other artists sort of recognize, um, some of the benefits of that platform. Um, cause there seems to be so much focus on, on the parts that they don't like. But, um, but I do think there is a lot of wonderful things about the way people are listening to music now too. Um, and, and, um, you know, I think, I think ideally the, the remuneration will sort of catch up, but on the other hand, uh, musicians have been exploited since the dawn of time. I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Just so happens. No, it just changed hands. Who, who yeah. exploits them? Is it the record label? Well, is now it's the, the tech companies. <laughs> right. Who's well, next? Uh, got her up. One thing about your move, your music is that a lot of other musicians speak highly of you and they have on our show, particularly Paul Hoffman of green sky bluegrass. Yeah. Um, you, have you heard of that band? No. Oh, well, they're, <laughs> they're, their principal songwriter is a huge fan cool. and no expectations inspired a, a song on their most recent, very successful record really? too. What are, what are some musicians that would surprise us that have, I know Taylor Swift spoke highly of you, mm -hmm. but have, have any come directly up to you that you were like, Whoa, I can't believe my music has touched this person. Um, well, I guess the one that comes to mind most recently is Robbie Robertson asked me to play guitar on his last album. And uh, oh, cool. I, that came out of nowhere. I that was a few years ago. I, you know, we kind of heard from his manager and, and, you know, he said he would like to meet and I happened to be in LA. So we went over there and, and hung out a little bit. And he was talk, telling all these stories about one-armed prostitutes and brothels and, and, you know, <laughs> and I said, at some point I was like, listen, like Robbie, I'm enjoying this, but like, I got to ask like, why am I here? You know? And so eventually he started playing me some music and, and we, um, you know, we, I ended up doing some uh, singing and some playing on, on some tracks on his last record. But um, <clears throat> didn't your manager produce that record or is that a different one? Uh, no, no, he didn't do that. I mean, we recorded our parts in Toronto, so Robbie would have recorded that stuff and then sent it to them in LA and they gotcha. mix it all together, you know? But, um, I mean, for me, that was a huge one just because, uh, you know, he was a big influence on me just in the early days of guitar playing. I must've watched the last waltz like a thousand times, like literally trying to emulate some of those licks, trying to watch carefully what's going on and, and trying to learn guitar from that movie. Um, and the band albums meant so much to me. I mean, it's still just such literally classic albums, but uh, it's just cool to meet someone who is, I don't know that his music is necessarily relevant um, commercially anymore, like in the, in the sort of pop landscape or whatever, 
but he's he's never stopped working he's always been making soundtracks and and uh helping produce other artists and like it's cool to meet someone who's almost twice my age and see how engaged and interested they are um and of course it's flattering that he would you know re reaching out to me but then at the same time it's huge, it's huge. but at the same time like that's exactly what I want to do. When I'm 70 years old, I want to be calling the guy who's 35 and saying like, oh, you're doing something amazing. Like, let's do something together. You know, like that's, that's the best possible scenario is, and so. Well, that, his name is Daryl Weiner. He's my son. Okay. And, uh, when, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, so, I, I have to ask the one arm hooker stories. They didn't inspire half your love. No, 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 oh, no. there will be a quarter no, no. of your love. I think, uh, no, I think I'm, I mean, of course I'm just joking about that, but yeah, I think there's literally books that uh, have been written about, you know, those early days of rock and roll and it, it was a different time. You know, I'm not sure my touring life has <laughs> very, very different. It's more about uh, doing downward dog and finding a, you know, a good cup of espresso. <laughs> right. Yeah. By the well, way. Yeah. There's a Frank Zappa reference in Fair Share. Was it intentional or was it not? No. I, what's the reference? Don't ever sign a bad deal with Warner. Oh. <laughs> well, I know. I certainly, I'm not super familiar with Frank Zappa. I wasn't referencing him. I, I, I think that that rhyme might just be the sheer fact of the, the, the line that comes before it. I wish I could warn her. Don't ever sign a deal with Warner. I think that just sounds cool together. Um, if I said, uh, don't, don't consider a reversal, don't sign a deal with Universal, that would work too, <laughs> right? But don't be surprised if some veteran musician, if that line resonates with some veteran right, musicians. Right, Well, uh, yeah, I've, had, I've actually had some other musicians sort of text me, you know, just saying like, they just thought that was so funny. And, uh, and in fact, when I played that the first time, Robbie was just like, you know, he knows the guys at Universal. He just was like, oh, <laughs> dude, man. And I was like, come on, man. It's obviously like in jest, you know, anybody who's taking that personal is, uh, is uh, taking, taking a little too far, but um, that's cool. I'm flattered that you guys made it that deep on the album. And, and, uh, and, and it's got, a great, got great, that. great. All five, all five year records, man. You're just doing incredible, brilliant work. Mm -hmm. And we're lucky to have you uh, on the music landscape. And, awesome. um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, thanks I so much. Sued. I have a last final question. Sure. Are you done, Seth? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. If there was a Bahamas, if you curated your own festival, yeah, who, who are some of the acts? Money aside, who are some of the acts you would most want on that festival? Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, I'll start by just uh, some of my friends here in Canada: Doug Paisley, uh, the Weather Station, uh, Daniel Romano. Like, I, I do think that Canada punches above its weight class in terms of the quality of the artists that we seem to put out into the world. Uh, so I, I do think there's a lot of artists here that I include on that, but you know, having played at farm aid twice, I would love, oh, wow. I, I, would, I would love to have Willie Nelson come play my festival because there's something about yeah. Willie Nelson that when he walks on stage, he lit just his presence literally makes yeah. everyone in the, in the room, happier makes them feel better he, he is like uh the dalai lama or something he has that same quality yeah, he has that you're right um i mean i'm a huge fan of his music he's been a huge inspiration to me but even just just there's something about his humanity about his presence that seems to affect people yeah. in the most positive of ways in the most inspiring way and so 
you know, that would definitely be something that some energy that I would want at my festival. And, uh, and I've had the fortune of touring with, with some, you know, even touring with Jack Johnson, he's, he's definitely got a similar quality to people. There's, there's only love in the room, you know, and, and uh, he, he sort of seems to bring that out in people. I hope that I do that a little bit. And, uh, and, and I, I would hope that that's the general theme of the festival. You know, it's not about being cool. It's just about being true and, and having a good time. Well, hey, nylon strings. I mean, they're not really cool, right? Yeah. It really makes them cool. Oh my God. They're the <laughs> coolest. And when it's, when it's so, it's so not cool that it actually completely flips around, you know? <laughs> oh, I like turns the corner. Like yeah. Turns the corner. Yeah. That's right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. One last thing. You're, you're cool with your kids during COVID being in school? Yeah. I mean, he's in Canada. Yeah. yeah it's much better <laughs> up there. Everybody I know is in America is like petrified. It's, it's, it's really refreshing. Well, to hear that. you know what, man, I, where I live, like we lock down very early. We actually, there's a thing here called the maritime bubble, which is, I, I, so in Nova Scotia is kind of like, you know, if you just kept going from Maine up the coast, right. There's three other provinces that are in this corner of Canada and we sort of bubbled together and said, if you're not from one of these provinces, you can't come in. And if you do want to come Smart. in, you have to quarantine for two weeks. So literally at the border, at the airport, which not that there's much traffic there now anyway, but if there is someone coming in, there's like the border people are there and you literally have to show them you rented a house, you've arranged to have all your groceries delivered. You're not going to see anyone or, you know, be in contact with anyone for two weeks. Um, so essentially we locked down so early that there's not, there's no COVID here. There's not a single case right now. There hasn't been for a long time. Um, Excellent. You know, the kids went back to school in November. We did have a couple cases in some of the other provinces, um, you know, all travel related, like people coming in and not quarantining yeah. properly. But, um, you know, that, that seemed no. to work out. I mean, I, I don't know that that's the long-term solution, but in terms of allowing our economy to function and, uh, you know, allowing people to sort of live life to some degree. I mean, at the very least, having the kids go back to school. Most people can't go back to work unless their kids are in school, right? So yeah. the school is a pretty is a pretty crucial uh, part of the equation, I think. And and um, hmm. I hope that kind of people figure out a way to turn it back on. You know, because I think the economic uh, impact of this thing is is certainly going to be much more painful than than uh, maybe even the COVID reality. You know. Agreed. In time, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, you said that there's no cases. Does that mean with no cases, does that mean no masks or does everyone still wear masks no, just to be I think, cautious? I think, yeah, everyone, the, when you go into a store, you, you, you wear a mask, you know, grocery store or whatever like that. Um, but uh, I think that's more just like now people are in that they're used to it. It's easier to just keep mm -hmm. it going in case there's a second wave in case it kind of flares up Agreed. again, rather yeah. than just say, oh, it's all fine and then have to try and get people back onto it. Um, I, the mask thing I think is here to stay for better or for worse. I think, you know, it seems to me like uh, the way that nine 11 sort of changed air travel. I, yeah. I, I almost think COVID is kind of like changed some of these things. A lot of guys, when I meet new people, they all want to do fist bump, right? Nobody wants to shake hands anymore. Yeah. And I think if I saw my father on his 85th birthday <laughs> yeah. and it was immediately elbowing him. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> You're like the yeah, 1990 Oakland A's. Yeah, so I think a lot of that stuff is is uh, here to stay, you know, and and uh, it'll take a minute for us to sort of get used to it. But I, you know, just think about whatever five, ten years from now, it'll just seem like nothing. You'll see someone in a restaurant wearing a mask, and and uh, it'll be old news at that point, you know. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. So, yeah, so much for your time. Really enjoyed having you. We love your music. We appreciate. It's nice to talk to an artist that we actually are, you know, listen to and are excited <laughs> about. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Most all yeah. artists we do, but but for you, like your music got me through a lot last summer, and uh, I appreciate you very much. So. Right on. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate your your interest in the music and and support, and and uh, it was it was fun to chat. Thank you. I started out, I had no plan. I took a job and soon was working for the man. And now it seems, through modern dreams, and all I've done is learn to live beyond my means. Yes, we had the house, and we had the car, and paid for it all on some credit card. Now that ain't right. second home your student loans and every year i got myself a brand new phone can't do without don't have the nerve i tell myself that these are things that i deserve yes i can't make do with just half my check i need all those things and so i live in debt AP, I hope you all enjoyed the interview as much as we did. Seth, can you imagine being a musician and having Robbie Robertson give you props? No, I can't actually. I mean, Robbie Robertson, the band, they encouraged Eric Clapton to reevaluate his approach to music. I mean, this is arguably the most significant band in the history of rock and roll. Certainly among the most. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But and the voice, his voice is exactly yeah. like Tom Brady. It, to, oh wait, Tom Brady, the football player? Yes, yes. He's been quite successful. He plays for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So That's not far from, from uh, Tallahassee. Oh, did I ever tell you what I did in Tallahassee? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Ulu, Ulu. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm in a good mood right now, Rob. First of all, so excited to assemble this episode because just um it's nice to be able to, sh- to do the interview it's so nice to share this with you all can um, i just say so, bahamas five for five five for five. five they they have five records out and they're all there he does and it's so weird when they when it's in, an assumed name like that he, he, every record is great yeah I and really, and everything on the internet on him is great i mean go go that south by southwest we talked about it's worth the watch folks it really is worth the time it's so good all right seth oh, here's man. four pieces of vinyl we're going to listen to you. Not when I come over to work like tomorrow, but when I come over for us to drink wine and do whatever. Right. You recognize this? Sweet it's unknown. Bo- I got on vinyl. Oh. Erica Winterstrom. Oh. Dude, we're going to hear that on vinyl and it's companion piece for that whatever night we do this. All this time, Heartless Bastards. Oh, you bought all that Heartless Bastards stuff, huh? 
Well, and Emma Swift, having talked nice. about this, Emma Swift, who uh, blonde on the tracks, That's yes, clever. Her cover of Bob Dylan songs, wonderful, including "I Contain Multitudes" from the just released Bob Dylan CD. She's already covered it. Uh, if you know her name, you may know her association with um, Robin Hitchcock. And I watch their um, webcast almost every Wednesday night. They do great stuff. Huh. It's on, they're on stageit.com. Here's the big one. Seth, when Branford Marsalis sat in with the Grateful Dead, after, yeah. uh, a guy by the name of Blair Jackson interviewed him, and, and he asked what it reminded him of, what the, the improvisation that was going on reminded him of. And he ah, Miles, Miles Davis, Jack Johnson. Yeah, that's a good one. And we're going to listen to this at your house one of these days. Folks, yeah. a lot of great stuff coming up for you. You know what that means. It's time for Trick or Treat with Rob Turner. Rob, trick or treat. You already got I'll take a treat. I'll take a treat. All right, when you come over, I'll give you a treat. All right, thanks, everyone, for listening. So we have some cool stuff. That Georgia thing that we've been talking to you about. So it's called the, it's it's a Georgia music podcast. Uh, it's Inside Out Georgia that we'll be um, sharing with everybody. Unless we come up with a better name, which hopefully Inside Out Georgia Pod. In Rob's face with Georgia music, the Georgia music podcast. It doesn't fucking matter. We're gonna we, we're gonna dive into some more Georgia music content for you all, including the a deep pretty dog podcast. Drink your QT and shut your mouth. Uh, uh, no, so we'll share this in a little bit, but I will tell you that with the podcast, we're going to do more deep dives into Atlanta stuff. So we are, for example, uh, we have the drive-in. Uh, we saw Umphreys McGee, but it's not just about seeing them. It's about the whole drive-in experience and what that's like from the fan perspective to the worker perspective and everything in between. So that's one and the other. It was drive-in at the Speedway, by the way. At the Atlanta yes. Motor Speedway, which added a whole element of, I mean, Eric Von Hessler, a very, very successful, um, bit of an icon in radio here in Atlanta. Uh, and not just here in Atlanta. Are you kidding me? Your regular guys were like, that was, that was big. That was, that was syndicate. He's bigger now. You'd, I, you'd be surprised, man. He's bigger now because the, the show, the podcast goes all over the place. The Von Hessler Doctrine is what it's called. And our, our, our friend of the show, Tim Andrews, is part of that show. Autumn Fisher and, then and Jer we're Jared Yamamoto. We're also doing a, a deep look at the pod concert series, uh, Big Night Out. It was a three-day event at Centennial Park. All pods, you know, like in bike racks, essentially, little pods. Uh, but we'll talk all about that. But we're doing, we, again, same format. We're going to do a little bit of a, I don't know, what you would go, not investigating, but it's, it's going to be good. Good to share with I, you all about what's happening here in Georgia. I have to tell my listeners, one of the very special things about seeing Moon Taxi at Centennial Olympic Park last weekend was seeing Daryl dance to Moon Taxi with both of his parents. And having he was loving it. He was so happy. We'll talk about all that and more in the coming Georgia Music Podcast. <laughs> and then uh, I do want to uh, we'll also get... share one, one more thing <laughs> on a personal note, Rob. Yes. I'm happy to share that uh, the Coffee Connection podcast that your Rockshaneer has been doing, talking to nonprofits, these short 30-minute conversations with nonprofit innovators here in Atlanta, is now not just on video, but it is going to be its own audio podcast so i'm gonna i'm gonna put that out as well in the next Excellent. week or so i recommend the atlanta community food bank episode oh wonderful thanks well let's uh let's leave them with something uh what do you think 
we're gonna have one more from Sad Hunk, and then we're gonna have. Oh no, we're gonna the, this. We're gonna end with this song because this song meant so much to us. Just this one. So this is the the one uh, wisdom of the world, Seth. The yes, the to- last track off of Sad Hunk, the last track off the album. Uh, both Rob and I really, as you heard in the interview, just just really got this song. It just this, uh, is, this is why with Bahamas you listen to the whole disc. You don't put it on, listen to a few, and then put on something. Else. If you put on the Bahamas, you listen to the whole friggin' record. Okay, thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll, uh, we'll be back shortly with more. Take care. We love you. We love you, listeners. We do this just for you. The wisdom of the world came down to me. And once it did, the world was not the same to me. And all my bad decisions, they were shaming me. I won't fight it, you were right to be blaming me. But how could I know how far it would go? I don't believe I've ever trusted anyone. I used to put in effort, now I hardly call It's just another brother down on fentanyl And if he's happy working in some shopping mall Who am I to ask him why to make him feel so small Of course I wonder what you do when you're under the spell of every idiot around you but how could i know you didn't come to the show and didn't see me being placed as a genius so now all you know is my meanness there's something there is coming between us the time and place I hate the thrill of the kill but I love the chase now I got a daughter and they call her mixed race but she don't show it and you won't know it to see her face it's hard to believe when you can see up my sleeve I guess the magic doesn't work out for everyone Magic doesn't come down on everyone Does anything work out for anyone?
Forgiveness. I guess the whole thing's about forgiveness. 